Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gospel Forum Podcast. We are a collective of Reformation-minded Christians that care about doctrine and the local church. What else do we do, Pilgrim? Our mission is to equip the church for gospel health. Gospel health. Amen. So yeah, we have a blog and a podcast. If this is the first time you're watching or listening to us, we are available on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. So make sure to look that up. We also have a website called thegospelforum.com where you can find all the latest articles and episodes as well. So, so glad that you have joined us today. My name is Dan Sardinas, and let's introduce you to my other friends, which you've already met if you are a... uh, a subscriber and a devourer of these episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm Micah Sandwich. Good to be back. Alan Quinones. Good to be back. I'm Pilgrim Benham. All right, great. And we are all local pastors in uh, the Bradenton, Sarasota area, and uh, we desire to see reformation uh, in the church, especially in our area, as we see more healthy churches develop and grow uh, for the glory of Jesus Christ and the proclamation of His name. Amen. So, um, we are here. Today, we are going to continue our series in the Ordo Salutis. And uh, if you missed our first two episodes in the series, go check that out. Um, the Ordo Salutis, guys, let's just define that for a moment. What does Ordo Salutis mean? Yeah, I mean, it's a Latin phrase that essentially means the order of salvation. The order of salvation. And we're not necessarily talking about chronological order because some of these things could happen at the same time um, but we're talking more of the logical order or the logical order of, of salvation uh, we began talking about the doctrine of election and that is before time began that God um, according to the purpose of his goodwill chose a people for himself last episode we talked about the effectual calling and that is Based on those whom God has elected unto himself before time began, he sought to call those people to himself to guarantee and effectually work their salvation in their heart. And so without the call of God, they cannot be um, uh, a Christian. They cannot be his. They cannot obey him and, and love him. And today we're going to talk about the third one, which is regeneration. So we have election, calling, and now regeneration. What is the doctrine of regeneration? Help, help us out, guys. What does that mean when we talk about regeneration? One person has defined it as the sovereign work of God, the Holy Spirit, granting spiritual life to each Christian, raising them from the dead so they are now able to be alive. They're now able to repent and trust in Christ as a new creation. That's sort of the, the simplest, I think, definition. Okay. Yeah, I always look at it as we are spiritually dead is that act that God alone can do with his power that he makes us alive that he he's the one that opens up our eyes our minds um, to know and to understand and to love love who he is Hmm. Hmm. yeah if we also want to talk about um, a distinction between regeneration and what we would call conversion which is then divided into repentance and faith but uh, regeneration is the invisible work of God. Um, regeneration is something that we cannot see. It takes place secretly. It's a work of the Spirit in which we are entirely passive. We have nothing to do there. 
Now, in conversion, of course, we'll, we'll address that later, but in conversion, we are the ones who repent and believe, correct? Even though God is the one who works out that faith in us, nevertheless, we believe. Mm -hmm. uh, regeneration, on the other hand, is entirely out of our hands. Mm. This is a work that God secretly does. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, uh, what we can see is the effects. The wind blows where it wills. You, mm -hmm. can't, see, you can't see the wind itself. But you can see the sound. You can hear the sound of it, and you can see the, you can see the the leaves moving in the autumn. Mm -hmm. You can see uh, the the sails being being filled up and the boat moving. Right, even though you didn't see the wind itself. Right. And so, presumably, in regeneration, when God has performed His work in a man or a woman, then that uh, then that person will um, uh, show visible signs of of the the work that God has accomplished. Yeah, very good. So probably another term that might be familiar to some other than the doctrine of regeneration is to be born again. And so if you've heard the word or the term being born again, uh, then you have heard and know what the doctrine of regeneration is. And so regeneration means to, it means new life. Um, I think the Greek word can even be translated born from above. Um, born of God. Born of God, yeah. And so this is what we're talking about. It's someone who is made new, who receives spiritual life, um, and who is born again. So before we dive deep into the doctrine of regeneration, I think it is so important to understand it by knowing why is it necessary. So why is it necessary that a person be born again? Um, why is it that it must be the work of God um, in order to bring this to completion. Why can't a, a, a sinner, in their own power, make themselves born again? Now, let's clarify this because there are people who do believe that. There are mm -hmm. people who do believe that, you know, when you say some magic words or you repeat a prayer or you go forward and make a decision, that you are the cause of your regeneration. Uh, obviously, uh, as, as Reformed guys here, that's not what we believe the Bible teaches. So let's just set up why is the doctrine of, of regeneration necessary to be a work of God, and what is wrong with the sinner that it must be God? Well, to paraphrase R.C. Sproul, you know, he said something to the effect of the dead man cannot raise himself from the dead, mm. right? And so we believe that God's Word is very clear that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, according to Ephesians 2, um, that we do not seek the things of God. In fact, we seek the opposite, the extreme opposite. Uh, Romans is very clear on that, that our feet run swiftly uh, to evil, that our throat is an open grave, that we use our tongues to deceive. Uh, and we, we are, because of our sinful nature, we're, we're running in the opposite way. Uh, and mm -hmm. we cannot, we cannot, without the work of God, change that. Uh, so you're saying that we're dead. Yeah. So we're dead. So what, what scripture could we show that says that the sinner is dead? Because that, that's very important. Mm -hmm. um, because as a dead person cannot make themselves live, that's kind of what we're saying. Mm -hmm. A sinner who is dead in their sins cannot make themselves born again. Right. So that, that analogy is perfect. But... Um, where else in the scriptures, you, you just quoted from the book of Romans. Um, yeah, Ephesians. But, I'm sorry, Ephesians. Yeah. Where else in the Bible does it say that we're dead in our sins? 
Well, there's a parallel passage in Colossians 2, uh, 13. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. And so that's that's a parallel mm -hmm. um, book to Ephesians. But there, I mean, even there in Ephesians, uh, this is the state that we were in. We didn't make ourselves alive. Uh, we were we were dead. We were following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air. We lived in the passions of our flesh and the desires of our mind. And by nature, we're children of wrath. And it says, like the rest of mankind. So mm -hmm. it's not just a handful of people were dead or, or that we've talked about this a lot with the Gospel Forum. We're not in a neutral state. Right. That God says, well, you're neutral. Oh, there's some sinners. There's, there's this mm -hmm. neutral group who have chosen me. You know, we, we've already kind of debunked right. that. We all, in our natural state, in Adam, were born uh, dead. We were born right. physically, but spiritually, we uh, were completely cut off. Yeah. Uh, spiritually, we were dead. Right. Just, just to stick with yeah. the, the death analogy, because I think it's important to, to mention this, just as a dead person cannot choose to be made alive, can anyone choose to be born? No. I mean, did, did anyone here decide their birthday or who their parents were no. or when they were conceived? This is, this is how God describes the new birth, spiritual life, regeneration, how we come to know him in the scriptures with, yeah. with the analogy of birth. So not only resurrection, but just birth itself. Um, it, it, it had to be the decision of another, right? And so obviously we know God forms us in our mother's womb, right? God planned us before even our parents did, but that was not our choice. So go ahead, I'm sorry, yeah. Well, no, I was just going to, I think, Alan, maybe you had, you were going to jump on that uh, in John, but um, continuing on the, um, the thought that uh, we are dead, that we do not uh, choose God. We see it in 1 Corinthians as well, uh, both in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. Uh, chapter 1, we see in verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly or foolishness mm -hmm. to those who are perishing. Um, so again, the the unbeliever, it's 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 garbage um, in his natural state. And then speaking of the natural mind, First Corinthians two fourteen, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able, not able, not even close mm -hmm. to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. Mm -hmm. That's pretty important. Mm -hmm. So the natural person, just talking about the person in their natural state from birth does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So that is our inclination from birth. We are opposed to God. We are at war with God. We reject God and the truth, right? And more than that, not only that, maybe there's a possibility that we might respond. No, no, no. He continues by saying that he's not able to understand. It's not a, it's not a matter of permission it's a, right. it's a matter of ability, yeah. which goes with what we talked about in our last episode in the effectual calling, where Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. It's a matter of ability. The sinner is spiritually enabled, totally enabled to respond to God and to become made new. Yeah, it yeah. says in Romans chapter 8 uh, that the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I was going to bring up that verse because also it says 
you know, yeah, it, the flesh cannot do anything that pleases God. Does coming to Christ please God? Of course it does. Yeah. It's pleasing to God. So if we can't do anything that, that, that pleases God, then we can, by extension, come to Christ ourselves. And that's why at uh, the beginning of, of John's Gospel, he actually says, uh, uh, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's the right, the right of adoption. To those who believe in his name, coming to Christ, who were born. So what had to happen in order for us to believe in the name of Jesus Christ? You had to be born, but not of blood, right? So uh, being born in the church, having Christian parents, nope, that doesn't cut it. Being a, a child of Abraham in the case of the Jews, nope, that didn't cut it. So not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, right? Yep. Nor of the will of man. So uh, we don't pretend to get in pulpits and tell people, come on, this is, this, this is your choice to be born again. No, we tell them, you must be born again. Right. That's, that's an indicative. You must be born again. The imperative that a preacher can, can issue is you need to repent and believe, right? Mm, Conversion. Yes. These are the things that you need to do. But for me to say you must be born again, I'm just telling you what needs to happen for salvation to take, right. to take place. Right. But then he says, yeah, you're, you're not born of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. God gives the new birth, and then we're able to, to believe. And that is yeah. so important, that distinction between the indicative, which is making a statement, and the imperative, which is making a, a, a command, mm -hmm. right? So it, Jesus is just telling Nicodemus, you can't understand these things unless right, right. you're born again, yeah. right? So you must be born again in order to comprehend these things, in order to see the kingdom of God. Um, it's a statement of fact. And so, essentially, when we tell people, you must be born again, we're telling them their current state. And, obviously, we're not telling them to do something they can't, mm -hmm. right? We can't tell them, hey, be born. Right. <laughs> right? Uh, it's not, I can't look at my future grandchildren and say, be born. You know, they can't do anything without it. Right. You know, it's impossible. I think death, mm -hmm. uh, being dead in our trespasses, is the primary um, condition that we're in. But mm -hmm. there's another condition that uh, the New Testament also speaks about, and that's blind. Yeah. And so yeah. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Mm. So that's, that sounds dead, like death. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And then he goes on to say, God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts mm -hmm. to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Amen. there's that deadness, but there's also that spiritual blindness that we, mm -hmm. we can't, you can't tell a uh, if you have someone who's literally blind, how mm -hmm. insensitive, how rude, that's, that's ridiculous to say, mm -hmm. come on, just, you can see me, right? I'm right here in front of you. Look at me. You know, that's, that's impossible for them unless they have been given sight. You know, that condition is, is something they can't replace on their own. So, so speaking of a blind person, um, in, some, in one of my early days in preaching, uh, back, well, maybe 10 years ago, um, I was young and, and dumb in the pulpit. Uh, <laughs> We've all been there. And um, trying to be funny, um, and that would always get you in trouble. Yes. And there was a guy uh, sitting in the very back of the church, and he had dark glasses on. Oh, no. <laughs> And I made a comment about him 
uh, wearing wearing glasses in church. I don't even remember. I don't remember oh why God. I said it <laughs> or even the context. But I made some kind of stupid comment about him wearing glasses to trying to be funny. Yeah. And then afterward, the elders rebuked me and said that he was a blind, he was blind. Um, so. <laughs> It was so stupid. <laughs> well, we must all learn, yeah. and sometimes the hard way. <laughs> First, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's ridiculous for you to, you know, to go up to him and say, yeah. hey, you know, just take your glasses off. Come on. Right. Take off no, your no, glasses no. off and, yeah. and look at the beautiful colors. Pay attention. Pay attention to my preaching. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, essentially, just to follow that logic, yeah. it's just like, oh, look how beautiful the sky. Look at that sunset. And you go to a blind person and say, look at it. Hmm. Can't you see it? Right. Yeah. No, I can't. Yeah. That's what we're talking about, someone who's right. spiritually blind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it mu something else must happen because they don't have the ability. Yeah. First Peter 3, very clear. Uh, first, sorry, chapter 1, verse 3. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again yeah. to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he goes on to describe what an amazing salvation this is. Um, that is kept by him mm -hmm. until the end. Yeah. So we suppress the truth. We're hostile in mind. We don't accept the things of the Spirit. We're not able to understand. Um, we're foolish and disobedient and led astray. Uh, we're dead in our sins. What else did I leave out? We're blind. We can't, we're blind. We cannot please God. This is not looking very good. <laughs> it's not looking very good for, for people, for sinners, right? So this is this is where we go. So this is why sound doctrine matters. And this is why, guys, I believe we have so many false converts today. Mm -hmm. I, honestly, I do. I don't because, because churches, pastors, those who are supposed to be responsible for the truth, don't even, know, don't even know or understand what conversion looks like, what regeneration looks like in, in, the life of a, in the life of a believer. And because we're so infatuated by numbers and success and all this kind of crazy talk, you know, we just want to count people who said a prayer without seeing what's going on. That's for next episode. But um, it just, it just, all this biblical truth just sets it up. Like, it, what else could it mean? Mm. You know, besides that, it's a work of God, um, not a work of our free will, right? And that's the problem. It, free will is never free, <laughs> right? Because we're in bondage to our sin. Um, it, it's God who must come and make us willing, or God who give us the desires to even want him. For example, um, you know, the, uh, I lost the verse here. Well, oh, yeah. Jesus says, uh, and this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and people loved darkness mm -hmm. rather than light. Why? Because their works were evil. It's not just that we're dead or are blind. We have a we have a serious condition that we are programmed because of our sinful nature and our depravity to love our sin and to hate God, right? Our, our, the problems go deeper than just making a choice. The problems go to desires. Mm. And the thing that regeneration changes in us when we receive the new birth is that our desires change, mm. right? So when the gospel is preached, Here's the effectual call. Preacher's up there sharing the gospel, and someone's listening to the truth. God gives them the new birth. He regenerates their heart. 
In that moment, their desires change. The blinders are lifted so that they could hear and now desire something they could never desire before. Yeah. That's essentially the doctrine of regeneration. Yeah. It's, it goes beyond just a matter of the will. It's a matter of desire. Yeah, uh, St. Augustine used to uh, say you can, you, you can do whatever you want, but you can't want what you want. Right. right? And the, the idea there is if you're a lion... And I presented to you, a, you know, a steak versus a salad. Uh, every time, ten times out of ten, you're gonna go for the steak because your nature determines that. Mm -hmm. Even though freely, technically speaking, you could choose the salad, uh, you will never do that because right. it's not your desire. And the same, this is what we're talking about here: that 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 sinners sin freely mm -hmm. in the sense that that's what they want to do, mm -hmm. but they can't want what they want. Paul Washer gives a illustration about a husband and wife, uh, and the, and the husband is is late for work. He's trying to get out of the house, uh, and as he's rushing out of the house, his wife says, "Oh, honey, can you can you come back real quick and take out the trash?" And he's just so flustered that he does it, but he gets very angry. He responds to his wife in an angry way, um, and and uh, just leaves the house. Actually, doesn't even take out the trash. Just just responds angrily and leaves. Uh, the the unregenerate man is is going to leave, and he's not going to think probably about it the rest of the day. He's gonna he's gonna come home. He's going to um, maybe continue that argument or uh, continue to justify himself. Um, but the difference is between those who have been born again, those who have been born of God. The same scenario, same situation. Uh, but the con the converted man, the man who has new desires and loves the Lord, if he responds angrily to his wife on the way out of his house, in his car, uh, as he's driving to work, he's going to be convicted. He's going to be convicted of it. Um, he's going to f uh, feel sorry for how he responded. And he very well may even call his wife on the way and apologize. Mm -hmm. and, and his desire is to set that right. His desire is to repent of that right away, where the unconverted man is going to continue in his rebellion, continue in his justification of his own sin. Mm. You know, how, how dare she? I, doesn't she know? Yeah. I got it, you know. Right. Yeah. We're not talking uh, about just behavior modification. Yes. So when we talk about regeneration, this is the new birth. This is not uh, new activities that look Christian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that sadly is what you're talking about in much of the church. There is this uh, common, you know, modify your behavior, do Christian things, come in and you sing and you open your Bible and you close your eyes when you pray. And just, you know, it becomes behavior modification. Right. Uh, and sadly, that's what gets pawned off often. Uh, and that's why we have within the church, we have unregenerated people who think I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's sort of why we see the state of the church as yeah. it is today, is because the church is filled with unregenerate people who are professing. We said recently, they're professors, they're not possessors. Mm -hmm. they, they don't actually have the spirit within them. Uh, mm -hmm. They're sort of just, they're posing right. as Christians. Right. And, and we kind of see that oh, same truth carried out in, in Ephesians 2. We've already kind of read this scripture already today, but... If you look at Ephesians 2, I think Paul talks about those desires yeah. and the passions um, there. In verse, I'll just start in verse 1. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, 
following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. See, that's what we're desiring from birth, is whatever pleases me, whatever, whatever pleases me, and, 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 and is whatever. I'm number one. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of, rest, uh, of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, I love that, right? <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us, seated us up in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's so beautiful. This is how your life looked like before Christ, before Jesus rose you from the dead. You were dead, now you're alive. You, you once lived for the passions of your flesh and your own sinful desires, but now you have been created for good works. Where do those good works come from? By desiring God, yeah. right? For desiring the, the things God wants, for seeking his will, for obeying him. To, to do what God wants us to do, which we didn't want to do. We, we don't want naturally want to do. And so we're, I think when we talk about regeneration, we have to look at the desires of our heart, how that radically changes um, and is seen by that. I found this uh, quote from Leonard Ravenhill that I liked. He said, the greatest miracle that God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy, then put him back into that unholy world and keep him holy in it. Hmm. Amen. We are new creations in Christ. Amen. Yeah. Amen for his glory. Yeah. Amen. We, we, let, let's look at a biblical example. Uh, I love the example of Lydia uh, in Acts chapter 16. You know, uh, there, there Paul visits the town. Um, she's listening to Paul. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, Luke writes, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God, which means that she was... She was a, a, a Gentile who was worshiping uh, Israel's God. And um, there was these different synagogues that popped up anyway. Uh, so she's there in that community. And she, she's already worshiping Israel's God, but doesn't know Christ, is not converted. Um, but as she hears Paul, what changes with Lydia? The Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart to do what? To pay attention to what was said by Paul. That, I believe, is evidence of the doctrine of regeneration. In that moment, the Lord is opening Lydia up to the truth. The truth of what? The gospel. So she already worships the God of Israel, not in a saving way because she doesn't know the Messiah. But now everything has changed because the Lord has done something in her heart to do that. You mean Luke didn't write this uh, to, to propel a progressive agenda in our time about women 
No. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm like, where's he going with yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. This is an example, of course, Paul's missionary journey and how the gospel was bearing fruit all around the world. But well, I think uh, it's a good example of the um, everything that we've been saying. But one thing we haven't talked about is um, a lot of people believe that that faith precedes regeneration, and so. Um, you know, we would look at that as an example, and the other passages that we've just looked at, like in Ephesians 2, it's God made us alive, right. and then we see that there is, uh, you know, grace through faith. Uh, we see in James chapter 1, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. First John 5, 1, you know, it doesn't say everyone who believes will then be born of God, mm-hmm. but it says everyone who believes has been born of God. Yes. Amen. Um, yeah, and, and then also you go back to, I mean, obviously the passage, every time you're talking about regeneration, the passage that you always have to go back to is John 3, right? <laughs> Nicodemus. And, and, and at that point, when Jesus starts talking to him about the new birth, uh, Nicodemus is basically just brings up, well, how can I get back into my mother's womb? It's, right. it's again, it's this idea of what can I do? What can right? I do? Can I, can, I, can I say some prayer? Can I start yeah. acting like a Christian in this way? Uh, and, and Jesus is saying no, because uh, here, here, here's uh, what he says. He says, he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Flesh is unclean, fallen. You can't get, you, you can't, you don't have a progression from, uh, you know, from, from fish to human being that doesn't exist, right? You don't have a, a progression from unclean to clean. That's impossible. Mm. Like begets like. And that's mm-hmm. why he says that that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You need the spirit of God to make you to be born again. To be, make you born again, yeah. Amen. So yeah, good. Great. And no shameless plugs here, but uh, Pilgrim and I co-authored a book called The Five, in which we discussed that in Sola Gratia, in the whole our whole section on grace alone, on on which comes first, faith, faith or regeneration. And this is exactly what we're we're talking about. Did I believe and then God made me born again? Or did God make me born again and then I believed? Mm-hmm. And what we're saying is it's the latter. Um, um, your faith is a result of you becoming born again. Your being born again is not a result of you having faith. So very, very key distinction there uh, for people to understand and know. Where can I get that book? <laughs> it's actually right behind you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for those who are listening, you can visit Amazon.com and search up The Five Solas of the Reformation by Pilgrim Benham and Dan Sardinas. But anyway, all right. You put me first? Right, uh, this is a first time for I should everything. say, right. if you like the book, I wrote it. If you don't like it, Dan Sardinas wrote it. Anyway, all right. Um, anything to add here, gentlemen? Uh, on this doctrine of regeneration. I mean, I know there's always more to say, but is there anything else that we could be helpful and uh, in, in sharing with, with our listeners? Yeah, I'd say if you go to the book of Ezekiel 36, you see um, that there is, uh, there's a new heart being given um, mm-hmm. to yeah. God's people. You see in 2 Corinthians 5 uh, that there's uh, a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. And he, he goes on to say, all this is from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think... All this is from God. I yeah, love it. I think as we look throughout the scripture, this isn't, this isn't one pet verse uh, that Reformed guys like to just... Uh, let's just strum away on this one string guitar. This is throughout the whole Bible. It's throughout the scripture. And uh, so I think as you continue to have a biblical theology, you see that, man, there's a, there's a great picture of this doctrine 
everywhere. Yeah. 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 And we would say, Dan, in our discussion of this, our desire, like we said in the beginning, uh, is, is for equipping, is for the health of the local church. Mm-hmm. And so um, our heart in this, as, as we're discussing these doctrines, is to extol who God is, mm-hmm. give glory to God alone. Because I think the danger that we have in some churches today is they have a very low view of the power of God. Mm. And they, they exchange that and they put that uh, impetus, that, that responsibility back on the individual. Right. Uh, and so that, that changes the whole order and it robs God of glory. It robs God of his power, of his work and salvation. Uh, and so that's, that's, you know, that's why we gather here as brothers is to, uh, to proclaim the goodness of God mm-hmm. and, and this amazing thing that he has done in regenerating us. Yeah, it's, it's in, incredible. In the yeah. practical side of things, when you go out and evangelize, weight's off of you. All you have to do is be <laughs> yeah. a faithful messenger. Amen. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, what does that look like? Um, I'm sure we'll get into this in the next episode with conversion. But what, what does that look like in some churches where the impetus or the, the response or responsibility is put back on to us as man? Yeah, well, what comes to mind is, is just the... Um, often the, the berating, the berating that happens um, in some churches on the in the on the far end, um, where pastors um, seem to be very mad and, and very angry uh, at their congregants uh, and just yeah. just yelling at them to get you know get your foot out of the world you know, <laughs> and it, they're putting that that uh, responsibility on on the people instead of encouraging them in hey this is who god is this is what god has done Mm. Uh, repent and believe the gospel Mm. uh and um that's thoughts that come to mind i know there's more but what are you thinking on that yeah yeah i think i see that a lot in um in trying to invoke a response yeah and try to it becomes evangelism becomes convincing i have to convince someone as long as i have the right apologetic argument and uh, we talked about this a little bit in the episode on election, but uh, and previously when we talked about missions, but that, that whole emphasis of yeah, I yeah. gotta have the right gospel presentation mm-hmm. ready to go as I sit on the plane next to this person. Right. If I get it wrong, right. I've blown it, and uh, it just it adds all of the impetus and all of the, yeah. the effort on me to get it right or to to get out there and do it. And in the same way, for me to say the right prayer you know, to jump through the hoops and do the calisthenics so that I'll be saved right. rather than he's the one who's awakened us. And maybe we mentioned this too in a previous episode, but it also, uh, you can see it in how our our worship services, how the order of worship has, has changed. And so with, with many churches today, the culmination of the service is an altar call mm-hmm. uh, instead of uh, historically uh, the culmination of the worship service is communion. Mm-hmm. When we've been we've worked through that gospel uh, proclamation be reminded of that we were sinners we were called to confession we rejoice in our pardon before the lord and then we're invited to his table mm. that's the mm-hmm. culmination yeah, how yeah. different is that yeah you know, yeah focusing on the work of christ versus mm. okay yeah. so now we need to invoke some sort of yeah. right response yeah. and really all that whether it's communion or the singing or the preaching or the reading of the word or the prayer is all centered on the word yeah. Right? It's all outflow of, of the word. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, so um, I, I want to do one thing before we close. Uh, there's obviously, there might be someone who's listening to this recording who does not know Christ, who is not born again. 
um, what would you say to this person, right? Well, you would share the gospel with them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was just curious, uh, just one of us um, would be willing just to share the gospel or what would you say to this person if they were right in front of you right now? Uh, obviously, we don't have to go on and on, but let's just give the, the basics of the gospel and what God has done on the cross to save sinners. Um, what would you say to someone like that? Alan, you're up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've, you've heard through this, this episode that um, there is nothing that you can do in order to make yourself be born again. Uh, you must be born again. But the reality is that God does promise that if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus Christ came into this world and he lived a perfect life and died the death that sinners like yourself and like me should have died, then God promises that if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, mm. right? So this is an issue of 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 will God perform this great work in you? He he is doing it. Here's how you know he's doing it when you place your your faith in the in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You Amen. believe, you confess him as Lord. You believe that 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 he rose on the third day and that you will rise with him. Uh, by believing in him. Amen. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we have the ordo salutis, the order of salvation. First, God elects a people to himself before time begins. Then God effectually calls those whom he has elected to himself um, by the proclamation of the gospel and his word. And regeneration, he causes them to be made alive. He gives them spiritual life so that when the message is heard, they are alive and will believe. This is the order of salvation up to this point. And join us the next time for Conversion, which will be out soon. Thank you. Well, this has been another episode of the Gospel Forum podcast. Thank you for watching and listening. And as always, please subscribe to us on wherever you listen to us. And uh, feel free to leave a comment or a helpful review. Uh, but until next time... Keep, Keep on, on reforming. reforming.